And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him snugly in a cloth and laid him in a feeding trough, because there was no room for them at the lodging place. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, a Saviour who is Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favours. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Well, next reading uh, is from Isaiah. Lara is going to come uh, and read for us now. If you received uh, a booklet on your way in, you'll find that reading uh, on the inside page. Thanks, Lara. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honour to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For the trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Good morning. My name's Neil, and uh, Merry Christmas to you all. Add my welcome to that of uh, Ross, and uh, it's great to see you all here, people from different congregations in our church, people visiting for Christmas, family members, uh, a few old-timers that haven't seen for a while who've come back. It's lovely to see you all here today. I'm going to lead us in prayer and ask for God's help as we think about uh, the hope that we have at Christmas. Lord God, thank you that you've brought us here today, each one of us. Thank you that you haven't left us in the dark but that you have come and revealed yourself to us and how we can know you in the person of Jesus. Lord, help us to see clearly today who he is and the hope that he offers. And we ask it in his precious name. Amen. 
Well, this Christmas, our theme here at Janali Engligan has been this, a thrill of hope. Hope, of course, is when we look forward to something good in the future. And a thrill is a moment of joy uh, when we can see that hope. Maybe that a young man likes a young woman. Maybe he's liked her for a long time, but he's been too scared to approach her. It's a crowded room. He looks across the room, catches her eye, and she smiles at him. A thrill of hope. Or maybe it's a child, uh, a week out from Christmas, seeing the presents gathering under the tree and one with their name on it. A thrill of hope that it might be that very thing they've been waiting for. Well, how about this one? A few weeks ago, 6am in the morning, I was sitting there watching my TV as the Socceroos started the World Cup campaign. They just scraped in, but they were playing the defending champions, France, and uh, it was ominous. There was a dark, foreboding sense as I uh, switched on the TV to see what would happen. And then, bam, a goal. We were ahead, 1-0. The thrill of hope. Maybe, maybe there could be an upset. Uh, It didn't last long, though, did it? If uh, you know what happened, uh, France scored, and then again, and then again, and then again. 4-1. Of course, they did much better in the the rest of the competition, which uh, which was fantastic. But for a moment there, even against France, there was hope. Today, I want to try and bring you a thrill of hope. And this won't be easy to do because most of us have been around for a while and heard the Christmas story many, many times. And you might be thinking, yeah, 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 it's all a bit ho-hum. We know about baby Jesus and the shepherds and everything else. Or maybe you yourself are feeling a bit ho-hum. At the end of a busy year, maybe you're weary worn down. Or maybe you're struggling with some hard things that are going on in your life or that you're conscious of in the lives of others or in the world around us. You might be feeling sad, missing someone dearly. You might be feeling lonely or anxious and it would be nice to have a thrill of hope but it could seem a long way off. Or maybe you're just flat out with Christmas activities and you haven't got time to think about anything more than what's happening in the next five minutes and what you've got to do. Or whatever your situation, today I want to try and lift your sights this morning from the here and now and what we're doing today to something higher and bigger and better. I want to bring you a thrill of hope, not a false hope, not just wishful thinking, but the certain it's going to happen kind of hope. And that real hope is found in Jesus. Jesus is our hope. Now, why is Jesus our hope? I was talking to someone just this week who said to me, they've been reading some books about Jesus. And from their perception, there was logic, 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 and then bam, Jesus. I want to try and close that gap for you. Why is Jesus our hope? I've got three reasons for you. The first one is he came. This is what Christmas is about. As uh, Steve reminded us of, God the Son, God who was with the Father for all eternity, came into our world born as Jesus. And that alone should bring us hope if we knew nothing else. It means that this world is not all there is. There is another place. There is eternity. There is God. And this birth of Jesus is where we see that he is there. 
heaven has touched earth. There is more to reality than our short life in this broken world. But we can see much more. Lara read for us so well from Isaiah chapter 9 inside uh, our sheets here. And uh, these words are words of promise. Promises lead to hope, don't they, if you can trust the person who's promised you. Here Here is a promise from God. This promise was made 750 years before Jesus was born. That's a long time. It was made to the nation of Israel, God's ancient people. They'd been rebelling against God and worshipping idols. And God has just told them that because they've rejected him, he's going to reject them. He's going to send the Assyrian armies against them to wipe them out from the northern part of Israel. And uh, it is a very dark and gloomy moment. But then we have this thrill of hope here for ancient Israel. Uh, nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will, will not be like that, it opens up. A light is going to dawn. The darkness is going to come to an end. And uh, it's going to be a wonderful time. Verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. And what's going to happen? Well, let's just cast our eyes down through the, uh, those verses there and you'll see that God has promised that the people will be enlarged way beyond their current small number and full of joy in verse 3. God will destroy the enemies who oppress them and he'll set them free Uh, and uh, no longer will they be at war. I love verse 5. If the if the, if the news of war in Ukraine and everywhere else gets you down, verse 5 is beautiful, isn't it? Here is a promise that the trampling boot of battle and the bloody garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. You can put them in your barbecue, if you've got one of those kind of barbecues. I don't know if anyone does anymore. And you can burn them because they won't be needed anymore. This is a pretty good promise. How can it be made? Well, verse 6 tells us, A child will be born for us. And this child uh, will be a ruler because the government will be on his shoulders. And this child will be called great things that can only really be said of God himself. He'll be called, at the end of verse 6, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And this child, this godlike figure, will rule over a kingdom. And this kingdom, we read, will be vast in verse 7. It will be prosperous. It will never end. This this kingdom will uh, come from the throne of the great King David himself, the king of Israel, and uh, it will be uh, established and sustained forever. And it will be a good kingdom. There will be no corruption here, only justice and righteousness. This is what this child is going to do. God himself, we're told at the end, will make this happen. Can you sense the thrill of hope for God's ancient people to hear these words from God? See, this is what the Bible calls the kingdom of God. We're not used to kingdoms these days. We know of the royal family in England, but they don't really rule, do they? They're very ceremonial. 
But here is the kingdom of God. This is what we pray for as Christians. Your kingdom come. Your will, God, be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, come and fix up everything so that everything is as it should be. Here is a promise for the world when God's will is done, a promise of peace and of joy. And the people of this time heard this promise and those who believed it waited and they waited and they waited 750 years until he came. A child was born and his birth was clearly the hand of God. This was a moment unlike any other moment. Angels announced his birth. Angels sang glory in the skies. Uh, There was a virgin who conceived. There was a star that led people from a foreign country to his birthplace. Now you might say, oh, that's just a load of fairy story stuff. We can't believe any of that. But doesn't it fit if this is the very moment that God's promised king, saviour of the world, is born into our world? If this indeed is the hand of God? Do you see how big Jesus' birth really is? Much bigger than a Christmas card or a little nativity scene somewhere on your uh, mantelpiece or something. This is God at work to save the world. This is why Jesus is our hope. He came. He came. But he didn't just come, did he? There he is. That's when he came. He also conquered. (coughs) He conquered. When Jesus grew up, he showed again and again and again and again and again and again that he had the credentials to be this promised one. What did he do? Well, he was full of compassion and kindness. He welcomed the lowly and the outcast. He healed the sick. He calmed the storm. He forgave people's sins and welcomed them into his uh, fellowship. He raised the dead. And all the while, he was completely pure and holy. He never did anything wrong. And uh, something then very shocking happened, something totally unexpected. The climax of his life was his death on the cross and his resurrection to life. And in that climax, Jesus conquered our biggest enemies, just like God promised he would one day conquer the enemies of his people. He conquered sin. No one else could live the perfect life, but Jesus did. He conquered hell. Hell is when we are cut off from God, the source of life, when God is actually angry with us. But God's deepest motive is love. He wants to forgive us. And that's why Jesus came, to save us from hell. And when he was on the cross, Jesus absorbed all the anger of God for all of our failings and our rebellion against him. He suffered hell so we don't have to. Do you get that? That is the gift of grace that Steve was talking about before. He paid our price so that we can be forgiven and reconciled to God and rightly share life with him forever in his kingdom. He conquered sin, he conquered hell, and lastly, he conquered death itself. 
He rose from the dead, didn't he? He didn't stay dead. Uh, he, that's why he can rule God's kingdom forever. A dead king can't rule forever, can they? But Jesus is alive. He came and he conquered. Can you see how good Jesus is? See, without him, we can still have hope. We can have hope in this world. And that may put a spring in our step and keep us going for another day. We can hope for what might happen tomorrow. We can hope for what might happen in a few years' time. We can hope for maybe a new car. But guess what? One day that car will be out of date. Maybe EVs will come in and, and the car won't be any good. Or it'll fade and it'll rust and you'll have to get a new one. We can hope in a new house. Get something built exactly the way we want. All the shiny new stuff in the kitchen. But guess what? Uh, back in the 1970s they had shiny new kitchens. Now everyone hates them. The bright orange and green and yellow. That'll be your house one day. Because fashions change. One day people go, this is white. Why is this house white? And if it stays up for long enough, guess what? It'll crumble. Someone will come with a big bulldozer and knock it down and build something contemporary. Just like maybe you've done with the old house that you took over. Hopes in this world do not last. Maybe it's a job. Maybe if I can just get my career going well, then I'll be fulfilled. One day you'll be redundant or retired or just not able to do it. Because here's the thing, the hopes of this world do not last. They perish, they spoil, they fade. And even if they don't in your lifetime, you and I will. We will spoil and perish and die. The reality is we all are born into a dying world. We all live in the shadow of death. But Jesus came. He came and he conquered sin and hell and death itself. Jesus is our hope beyond this world into eternity. Are you starting to sense a bit of the thrill of hope if you dwell long enough on Jesus? There's one more thing we need to see. Jesus came, he conquered, but he says he will come again. It's pretty obvious, isn't it, that when Jesus came, he didn't fix all the problems in the world because there's still war, there's still sickness and death and we still suffer, there's still injustice and oppression. Jesus could have come and blown the full-time whistle and said, that's it, and fixed everything up and God's kingdom could have come fully and finally and there would have been no hope for you or me because we weren't even born then. How good is it? that Jesus only blew the half-time whistle so that we could be born and live in this world. Uh, and uh, this coming of Jesus to fix up everything is what we long for, isn't it? When bad things happen, we say, why doesn't God fix it? He's promised that he will. And we know that his promise is going to happen because he came and he conquered just like he promised 750 years before, and now he's promised that he's going to come again. See, God had a different plan. We might have thought, and the people might have thought, he's going to come and then he's going to fix all the problems and that's it. But actually, Jesus left this world and returned to rule from heaven. His kingdom now is not a kingdom 
of this world, established by armies. Remember, his kingdom was going to see the burning of the boots of battle and the weapons of war. He doesn't rule now from Canberra or from Washington or Beijing or even from Jerusalem. He rules from heaven on the throne at God's right hand. And his kingdom is as vast as human hearts are across the whole world through all generations. His kingdom is coming now as one person at a time sees Jesus as the king that God sent to save them and receives him and submits themselves to him and finds forgiveness and eternal life from God. This is the promised kingdom and how we experience it now. See, uh, it's not the end yet, is it? But the end will come. Jesus said he's coming back. Here's a verse from the Bible that kind of sums up what I've been saying. Just as it is appointed for people to die once and after, when he live once, and then we face judgment. So also the Messiah, Jesus, having been offered once on the cross to bear the sins of many, to pay our price, he will appear a second time, not to bear sin this time, because he already did that, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him, to those who've trusted his promise, relied on his death and resurrection, and received him as Lord in their life. Friends, here is our hope. Jesus is our hope. He came into our world. He conquered our greatest enemies. He established his kingdom. He's now ruling at God's right hand in heaven and offering forgiveness and new life to you and to me. And one day he will come back and finally bring God's promised kingdom to the world. On that day, the kingdom, the world that we long for, where everything is fixed up, will finally come. There will be no more war. There'll be no more abuse. There'll be no more broken relationships. There'll be no more hatred or racism or sexism, oppression of any kind. On that day, there will be no more sickness, cancer, COVID or death itself. No more fear. Here's how the Bible pictures that beautiful day. At the very end of the Bible, look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. We won't be in hell, cut off from God. We'll be with him, enjoying his goodness, his blessing of life forever. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Friends, I want to ask you as we finish, do you know this hope? Do you know this hope in Jesus? I don't mean, do you know about it? That this is what Christians believe and teach. That's one thing. I'm asking you, do you know it personally? That this is your hope? Do you know the thrill of hope in Jesus? If not, then can I encourage you to look more closely into Jesus over the coming months, like Steve did when uh, uh, the penny eventually dropped for him. Uh, Jesus is not a fairy story. He's the hope of the world. He came into the world to save you, 
He came for you and for me. And he conquered sin and hell and death to save you and me. And now he rules from heaven. Eternity rests on how we respond to him. Would you bet your life on not being a Christian? Not trusting in Jesus? It's a good question, isn't it? This makes all the difference in the world. It's not just after we die, all in the future. You see, when you have this hope, it means you endure now and you'll be totally transformed. This, is, this brings about love, peace, justice, as people's hearts and lives are transformed. This is why Christians will sacrifice themselves and even be willing to die, because they know that this life is not all there is. We have a hope that is bigger and better and beyond this life. Do you see? I would hate for you to miss out now and even more so for eternity. We run something here called life, a life series. Uh, it's an opportunity to come and explore further Jesus, who he is, what he's done, what it means for you. And uh, Ross will tell us more about that afterwards. But uh, why not come along and do it? It'll, it'll four or five, how long is it? Five weeks? Five weeks. Five nights, five Wednesday nights. Come along, non-threatening, ask your questions, look into it for yourself as an adult like Steve did. But if you do already know this hope, then on this of all days, I say to you, rejoice. Life is still hard in this world. It might be hard for you at the moment. It might be going really well. But make sure you don't forget this big picture. Yes, it's good to focus on the manger and the baby that's lying there. But if that's all we see, you probably won't get the thrill of hope. You'll get a cute little baby Jesus. But if you look back to the promises, if you look forward to the future promises, if you look up to God and Jesus in heaven ruling the world, well, then you will see the thrill of hope that he was born into our world. He came in the flesh. And we know that our hope is not just wishful thinking. It is a certain future. It's going to happen because he came and he conquered And he said he will come again. May you know the thrill of hope this Christmas. Amen.